Cyber Synapse, the podcast that's creating connections through candid conversations about cyber issues. Sponsored by Agency, with your host, Kath Nibbs. Welcome to this week's episode. This week I'm joined by Matt and we discuss uh, something called heart rate variability. Uh, so to give you a quick introduction, um, we bring something called the polyvagal theory into our conversation today. Um, and I'm sure for those of you that have been listening, welcome to this week's episode. One that I've been hoping to bring for some time. I just needed the right person to talk to at the right time. And hey presto, uh, myself and Matt managed to synchronise our diaries and, and managed to have this conversation right now. Um, so I'm, I'm bringing a theory called the polyvagal theory to you today and something around heart rate variability. So if you just had a quick scan of the show notes, it will show that we're talking about resilience, breathing, uh, the autonomic nervous system, stress, uh, how to recover from being uh, in um, burnout. Uh, uh, this is something that I use uh, in my psychotherapy practice for trauma. And when I started Cyber Synapse, this was what I actually did. I sent out um, a, a small video to some colleagues and said, what do you think about what I'm doing in terms of uh, trauma? And I'm using something called the biopsychosocial model. And this is the biological side of it. So we, we, we chat today about the polyvagal theory, um, which was um, so that the person responsible for the polyvagal theory is Colton Porges. And um, he's one of my, if you like, uh, inverted, but yeah, inverted commas, superheroes. Um, I've had the privilege of spending uh, uh, a few days actually on a training course with him. And I, I kind of use this theory to apply it to lots and lots of things. Um, we've made it as simple as possible today um, so that this is biohacking part two. Uh, there's going to be three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And, and I mentioned today in the uh, conversation that we have around the aura ring. And we're going to get to that uh, hopefully on another episode um, because I'm now starting to bring together and hopefully synthesize for you in terms of the cyber-based uh, issues, why I have different approaches and why I use different things. Um, to quickly go through the, uh, I'm going to call it a sales pitch because it is exactly that, um, head on over to patreon.com forward slash cyber synapse and sign up to um, basically pay me some money. Uh, so there's a service that you can donate to, um, pound, a dollar, where, wherever you're listening from, um, and I've got two levels where you can have uh, reflections and that will be after a conversation I will have a bit of a reflection back um, and this is only for Patreon subscribers. Uh, the second level I will actually have in-depth conversations with you um, almost like a one-to-one -one, uh, coaching session, sitting talking with you um, and going through the, the polyvagal theory in depth so that you could get, you could get um, a really deep understanding where I'm coming from. And, you know, I've, I've bills to pay, um, car to run, and this actually taps into my time. So I, I'd, I'd refrain from doing this because I didn't want to be uh, a, a, the same old, same old salesperson. Um, I dislike this, but I am giving up a lot of my time to commit to these podcasts. And that includes having to email people, synchronize diaries. Um, quite often that taps into... Uh, my self-care uh, timescales, which means I then have to rearrange what I'm doing. And in, in terms of what I do for a job, 
um, my self-care routine is, is, is extremely important. Um, so this is a way that I could possibly bring somebody else in to do the editing. Um, so this episode goes out on Bank Holiday Monday. I was working over the weekend um, in terms of editing. I have to do late last minute edits. Uh, so, so this will be done um, probably up until the late yeah, late Sunday, maybe even in the early hours of Monday morning, so that when, when this podcast comes out, it's uh, ripe and ready for everybody to listen to. It would be nice to uh, be able to employ a, a person who likes to do this kind of technical thing and to actually have them help me produce better quality, and I can't do that for free. Um, so the way that I've set this up is uh, the account over at Patreon, you can donate as little or as much as you want, and that's basically the place you can become my super fan and that's where I'll start putting some more material but obviously it's only for Patreon subscribers. Um, I hope you enjoy the episode today. Um, it's really again one of my favourites. I'm, I'm, I'm having a blast doing this podcast in terms of the conversations I'm now getting to have and to bring to the public. Um, have a great Great week. Uh, for those in the UK listening to this uh, Bank Holiday Monday, have a great time. See you soon. Welcome to Cyber Synapse. This week I'm joined by Matt Hatson, and he's a resilience trainer and coach, and he's also a heart math coach. Uh, now, for the listeners and viewers, I'm going to come on to that in just a moment, and by now I will have done a synopsis in uh, the introduction. So you might be aware of some of the terms we're going to be using today. Um, so first of all, Matt, why do you do what you do as a resilience and uh, trainer and coach? Well, I guess that goes back probably around uh, 10 years. Uh, I was uh, always been in the corporate world and uh, I was a strategy director for a large engineering company. Uh, having a great time. I was traveling around the world. I was doing all these big projects loving it. I'm an engineer by background. And um, but I was working some long hours, working some really long hours, you know, mm -hmm. 12, 14 hours was quite normal, but I was loving it. And I was doing absolutely fine until my, uh, my youngest child, Thomas, I've got two, uh, he developed uh, a lung issue and just overnight stopped sleeping, couldn't sleep, just coughed mm -hmm. all night. And so I went from um, doing this to suddenly having to find a way to get away with two hours sleep a night. And that had a profound impact. You know, I was commuting for five hours a day. I was starting my meetings at 5 a.m. to talk to Australia. I was finishing them at 9, a. Mm -hmm. 9 p.m. into Canada, uh, getting two hours sleep because I was trying to look after them, uh, the family, whilst the doctors try to work out what was wrong with my son. Uh, and that went on for two years. So. Mm -hmm. I still thought I was doing fine. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was manning up, I was digging deep and all that good stuff until yep. people started, <laughs> you know, friends started to say to me, what's happened to you? You're a ghost of yourself. And actually it made me realize that no, I wasn't doing fine. Mm. I just, I just thought I was. So being a, an engineer and a, uh, a real geek, I started looking at what I could do to, to, to kind of maintain my sanity during that time. And I tried all sorts of things, you know, uh, yoga, meditation, different types of meditation, qigong, um, lots of different therapies, read loads of different books because uh, I was up all night so I had lots of time to read mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, 
and also biofeedback, lots of different types of biofeedback, of which I found HeartMath actually one of the most effective ones. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, my son's fine now. They worked out what it was, and he sleeps, and he's um, very cheeky and happy lad. But eventually I realized that I was enjoying helping people with their resilience more than I was doing the engineering stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I got to a point where I said, you know what? it's time for me to do that because I think I can make a bigger difference and it gives me an excuse to get paid to research it even further yeah and get paid to be a geek which is um uh, yeah always a bunk yeah I'm so I'm on the same wavelength as you already Matt with that but I mean we've spoken about that before um so obviously one of the previous episodes that I did with Pete we actually talked about sleep and hacking sleep so um so uh, a few few of the listeners and uh, viewers might know that I'm a, a biohacker. Um, so one of the reasons I've, I've brought you on today, Matt, is because um, for, for a number of years I've been using HeartMath with um, the children that I work with in therapy. Um, I do use it with adults as well, but I'm, I'm just going to focus about children for a second. So I went out and I, I got this HeartMath software because it enables me to work with the children who are traumatized, who have uh, lots of issues such as anxiety. So what you're, what you're effectively working with in the adult world, I'm, I'm working with the children. And the software um, I got on my PC, and it allows the children to play games, um, including um, one where they get to be on um, a jet ski. And it's through the breathing and this heart rate variability, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, um, it enables them to actually get in touch with what's happening inside their body and become masters of their own biology, a bit like you're talking about. Yeah. So would you like to uh, give a definition explanation for the readers? Readers, they're not reading this, they're listening and uh, viewing. Uh, that's the other side of my life. So do you, do you want to give um, a little bit of a, an explanation so that people can understand what this heart rate variability is all about? Okay, yeah, I think so. I think where we start is just a little bit around uh, the nervous system mm-hmm. um, and how heart rate variability is an indicator of that. So, um, sitting uh, sitting in the background to all of our major major organs and all of the things that are happening in our body that affect uh, our thinking and our behaviour uh, is our autonomic nervous system, which has uh, evolved over millions and millions of years back from uh, lizard times to us at the pinnacle of our evolution right now mm-hmm. and there's there's three main components to that um, the oldest one being uh, our ability to um, uh, immobilize to be still so if you look at um, lizards uh, they spend the vast majority of their time absolutely still because if they don't they get eaten and then as uh, the animals have evolved that has evolved to help us to be immobilized at the point at which we're being eaten so it doesn't hurt so much to be eaten which i think is a great thing um and then you've got the 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 counter to that which is often which is called the sympathetic nervous system but i call it the mobilization system fight or flight it's called which is our ability to snap into action which is which is a predatorial um skill but also to be able to evade and so the two uh the two systems are there to keep us alive mm-hmm. uh, and sitting within that is our ability is our neuroception our ability to sense danger and it's not a conscious level 
our body just prepares ourselves to be immobilized or prepares ourselves to fight fight and flight and it moves energy and oxygen around in the body to to, to manage that mm-hmm. uh, in humans and social animals um, there's another system the social engagement system which sits above all of that and is part of the uh, fundamental part of the vagus nerve which I kind of see as kind of the master management system between those two mm-hmm. um, and uh, focuses on our ability to connect and be part of a community. Um, it innovates all of our facial muscles, but it also innovates our heart and our lungs and has a fundamental impact on our ability to regulate our energy. Yeah. So, um, and it's a absolutely key part when I'm working with people with stress. Often it's that part of their system which has started to get disconnected. You can kind of see it in their face. You can hear it in their voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the vagus nerve innovates through the lungs and the heart, um, it uh, has the uh, impact to actually control our ability to recover from those extreme situations. Yeah, yeah. And so the uh, the heart rate variability is actually a, is uh, an underlying measure of how our heart, uh, how our system has the capacity to respond from stressful events. Yeah. Most people don't realize that the heart doesn't beat regularly. If you're really relaxed first thing in the morning, it beats irregularly on demand from the organs and the muscles and all those parts of the, which is, Uh, A bit of a shock to most people. They think it's very hard on. Obviously, if you're on a treadmill, it is extremely regular. Or actually, if you're under extreme stress, uh, like giving a presentation to 500 people, will look a lot like the heart rate of somebody on a treadmill. And so the heart rate variability uh, actually uses statistical analysis to look at the irregularity of the heart rate, which actually follows um, if you're... Uh, not really aware of your state you're not managing your state it's all over the place it's up and down and it's quite mm-hmm. spiky. and uh, um, but uh, it is a measure of your body's capacity to handle more stress effectively yeah. yeah and kind of how much energy you've got as well you know different different algorithms also men- uh, measure kind of how well rested you are as well uh, they use that a lot in in athletics and so it's I think it was originally developed by NASA they used it for um, monitoring astronauts when they are out on um, out in their suits and and then more recently it became something that was fundamental to uh, professional sports and uh, professional athletes use it have been using it for over 10 years I think and uh, there's some great documentaries and things on youtube about how uh, the professional coaches can spot a small injury or one of their athletes coming down with a cold two weeks before the Mm. athlete actually consciously is aware that they've got a problem and so it allows them to really fine-tune that that stress recovery cycle that a professional athlete so that they don't get progressed to the point where they have a major injury yeah and now of course it's available in consumer products um heart math have had it in a product for i guess over 10 years now i guess from the original m wave device yeah well I, i've i've got the um i was going to try and turn it on for this podcast i was saying that i've actually got the original m wave um because i i came across this when um 
So what, what, um, what people don't know is you've literally explained the polyvagal theory to them. So but this is my, this is my uh, favorite theory. And it was because of um, trying to understand uh, what was happening with the heart and, and so on and so forth, breathing. I went off looking for some software, looking for something because I'm a geek and I wanted to use technology to engage children. And that was, that was how I ended up, um, if you like. And that's how I came across uh, Rolly McCarthy's stuff for HeartMath. And it's very, very geeky. It's very, very science-based. And I, I took a look at it and said, okay, right, this looks like the kind of software I could use with a child. And I don't need to explain what's happening in, in any of the autonomic nervous system with the children. Mm. It's pretty simple, the, the program, in terms of it's got three bars to begin with. They're either in the red zone, the blue zone, or the green zone. Yeah. And obviously, you show a child um, a game, they want to be in the green zone. So they say, how do I get in the green zone? And then what we do is we look at the breathing uh, mandala and we say, okay, you need to breathe like this. And then what I do is I sit with the children and work out what's their best breathing rate. Um, and from there, I've gone on to notice that you can now get it as apps on your phone. Um, I've actually got the inner balance, which is the, the one that you can use with an iPhone. Um, I've also got another version but you, you can literally get hold of the heart rate variability apps now to have on your uh, phone um in terms of i wear um, a wristband that measures it for one particular app i use the bluetooth ear piece for another app because they all measure in very different ways and some of them um are now starting to feedback from the apps uh that they're they're not as accurate as other forms of measurements mm. so I, I'm, I'm just thinking about how it's gone from being something that was, you know, incredibly expensive when I first bought it for the, the computer to something that's now, I don't know, £40, maybe. maybe yeah, no, that. yeah, it's good. I, I, use, uh, I use two types of heart rate variability. I do, um, so I do a lot of training with corporates, but I also do rescue coaching with uh, executives, you know, people who've uh -huh. gone into burnout, maybe brownout, but gone into burnout. They're not performing, they're disengaged. Uh, and I use two types of uh, HRV tech with them. I use an app called Welltory. Have you come across Welltory? No. So Welltory is a free app. The, the basic level I recommend most people don't need, unless they are really into, they do a lot of um, uh, measurements of themselves. They don't need the paid one. Mm -hmm. and that uses the finger sense, uh, uses the camera and the, uh, the flash on the phone, and it takes a pretty accurate HRV. And I recommend people do that first thing in the morning before they get up. Yeah. And it gives them two things. It gives them a stress level and an energy level. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the principle for that for me is that people who are stressed, um, and I am generalizing, but it's, I'd say 99% of the time, this is true. They become disconnected from their interoception. They don't know how they feel. Yes, absolutely. And so, and so getting them to measure it every morning gets into a, two things. One, they start to question how they feel and it starts to get them to check in. So I do two things. I say, right, scan yourself first thing in the morning. Yeah. And then just decide where, how well you agree with it. And over time, I want them to, you know, it starts off with this, this software's faulty. And then a few weeks <laughs> later, it's like, yeah. yeah, do you know what? Perhaps I'm not actually as 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 well as you know as full of energy as i thought i was so i used that one as a way of developing getting them to get it back in touch with them uh, how they feel and manage their own energy because ultimately i want them to manage their energy the other thing is then i use heart rate i use heart math um, mm. and i use heart math 
one to get them to just stop but predominantly to teach them the techniques and to buy into the feeling of the technique so that they can pl apply it on demand so yes. to get them to the point where they have the ability to go meta aware on their own state and say i'm not in the right place to do this presentation right now or this this person is um like a, is a mood hoover that's a term that i learned from a client uh, recently yeah, which yeah. i love uh, this person is a mood hoover and if i don't protect myself you know i don't get myself into a right state that person is going to ruin my day yep and that's resilience it's for me is getting people to drive their own bus and manage their own energy mm -hmm. and be able to plan for those situations so that they get home at the end of the day they've got energy to spend with their kids and their loved ones and uh, they're not just staring in front of the TV thinking that that's rest. I, well, yes, yeah. I, I, um, some of the terms I, I've got are uh, emotional vampire. That's, yeah, that's yeah. my favourite, yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of, um, so I'm just going to talk like a trauma therapist for a second. Lots and lots of people who um, are traumatised, and, and stress is a version of trauma, you know, because it starts mm. stress all the way through to huge trauma. Um, Actually, we talk in, in psychotherapy about people being dead from the neck down, i.e. they're all in their head and they've absolutely disconnected from their body. So it's, it, I, I, will, I will suggest to clients that they get back in their body and they look at me a bit gone out sometimes. And I say, what you've got to do is notice what's going on in your body. Can you even tell when your heart is beating? Are, yeah. are you able to pick up on these signs? Now, some children go the opposite way where they're hyper uh, sensitive to everything that's happening within their body. So it's about saying, okay, so you need to disconnect a little bit more and trust your body's intuition versus those that need to get back into the body. But this is, I see that's the, the two extremes that happens for a lot of, yeah. a lot of clients. That's really interesting, the hypersensitive. Is that, um, is that related to, is that the sort of amygdala on high alert and uh, yeah, amplifying it? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, for me, it's definitely in line with uh, the window of tolerance, which is where they're either hyper and it might be hypersensitive, hyper alert, hyperactive, hyper whatever it is at that end versus the ones who become disconnected, which is hypo. So mm. I, I tend to say to people, you know, do you notice what your tubby feels like? Do you notice if you've got um, uh, what, what kind of heartbeat you've got, whether it's quite a strong one? Um, yeah, so I suppose anxious people would pick up on their heart rate and their breathing a lot more than... Um, so I'm, I'm just thinking now, applying it to... All different kinds of stresses yeah 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 you know I think one of the side effects I see of people who do heart math is they do become aware of the heart heartbeat yep. it's a regular thing people come back to me this you know and it freaks people out when they first start experiencing it yeah it's like it's okay it's good to know that you're alive and you can bear that in mind because then when you do find yourself in a situation where you're getting a bit stressed or anxious it's just outside of your conscious awareness and you yeah. realize your heartbeat's fasting and faster and it's then a good trigger to say, okay, now's a good time to mm -hmm. do some breathing, you know, getting people to understand the, the, the importance of what the in-breath and out-breath do and yeah. the ability that suddenly you've got this ability to change how you feel and understand, you know, the Mercedes yeah. model, understand that thoughts affect emotions, affect physiology and affect thoughts and the quickest way to change your thoughts is to change your physiology and the quickest way to change your physiology is to change your breathing Absolutely. and people suddenly got the ability to self-regulate whereas yeah. previously they didn't
Yeah, I am going to I am going to say actually, if people want to have um, a bit of an understanding about this, Alan Watkins done a um, TED talk on this with physiology being at the bottom, and and um, it's it's quite quite uh, interesting. Um, but also, it's because of Alan Watkins that I use one of the other um, kinds of software which I was going to talk about. Um, so, actually, do we want to talk about? I'm just thinking when we talked about the heart beating irregularly. Um, that's, I mean, that's basically because of how it's set up. It's got sucking in chambers and pushing out chambers, you know, and, it, and they're not all connected in the same way. Some of them are bigger than others. And um, I'm just thinking about explaining it to clients about, um, so I normally say to them, have you ever watched Holby City? You know, and it's got the little beep, beep, yeah. beep. Yeah. yeah, it's not as regular as that. So what we're, what we're talking about in heart rate variability is the gaps in between, you know, the distances, yes. how, how they vary. Yeah, yeah. simply as we can put it, isn't it? So, it is, yeah. Do you want to explain about, so what happens when we breathe in, what happens when we breathe out, how that changes those, uh, or that variability, and then how we can see health, yeah, health and resilience, I suppose. Yeah, okay, so there's two, um, the two main sides of the, of the uh, autonomic nervous system is the sympathetic and parasympathetic. Uh, the sympathetic uh, raises heart, rate and then, uh, blood pressure and is there is really engaged when you're on a treadmill playing sport or um, giving a presentation or getting really cross with someone and the parasympathetic does the opposite uh, they also have a different configuration of where they send um, blood and oxygen mm -hmm. so they have different reaction on uh, prioritization on bodily organs as well so um, but they're not you're not um, some people have read a little bit on the internet and think, oh, I'm sympathetic or I'm parasympathetic. No, if you're just one, you're dead. They're, they're constantly, <laughs> yeah. There's a constant ebb and flow. And that ebb and flow between them in a he healthy, uh, well-rested person uh, is affected on, the heart, on their breath. So as they breathe in, blood pressure goes up, heart rate increases, uh, the sympathetic system is, becomes act more active. Yeah. And as they breathe out, the parasympathetic kicks in, blood pressure drops, heart rate drops. And so actually, if you plot heart rate over time, it goes up and down as the person mm -hmm. breathes. Yeah. Um, and so uh, if your breathing uh, is, mo most people don't breathe optimally for, for that. So they might, uh, and in different situations, how they feel affects how they're breathing. So if people are a bit, a bit stressed they'll breathe they'll have a lopsided towards yeah. the sympathetic side you know they'll have a bigger in breath a quick out breath or or the uh, or the other way around and so um yeah it's a constant ebb and flow and you can kind of get a good feel from you can calibrate where somebody is by looking at their breathing pattern mm. i'm wondering how many people that are currently listening to this um have actually just paid attention to their own breathing yeah, it is. It is something that whenever I start to talk about, um, about this to clients, I notice that they'll go, and I go and breathe out. <sighs> yeah, there is. There is a huge. Uh, we don't pay attention to it. It's it's something that just sits in the background, isn't it? Because I mean, that's where the phrase autonomic comes from. But there is something around when you ask somebody to pay attention to their breathing, they actually change how they breathe. Um, yeah, was, and it changes was, their state as well. Yeah. Their state of mind changes straight away. Yeah, I nearly did the observable, uh, observable universe and the split, um, uh, the split atom 
uh, experiment then, but I'm going to stay away from that because that's so engineering and geeky. Um, so what, what, yeah, so what does happen um, is people pay attention to their breathing and then what they do is they breathe in a very different way. So sometimes I might, I might say to them, um, breathe out in, in the middle of a sentence because I, I tend to watch what people are doing with their bodies and they say, what do you mean breathe out? Because uh, trauma, stress, anxiety seems to be... <gasps> <sighs> and then they forget to go <sighs> and breathe out so it's, it's all about actually getting people to do the opposite of what they think they need to do so quite often mm. it's, it's they don't pay attention to their breathing because they've never been taught how to pay attention to their breathing yeah so i i find that that's that's one of the most interesting parts in terms of working with clients is, is speaking to them about their breathing way yeah. before we even do any kind of heart rate variability stuff or, or conversations around that yeah and i teach people balanced breathing right early on uh one it makes coaching a lot easier mm -hmm. because it encourages the social engagement side so if you've got somebody who's stressed and they're not communicating very well and maybe shutting themselves away from from people but somehow you've managed to get them to sit in front of you to do some coaching getting them to balance breathe and to balance the nervous system engage that social engagement you'll get into a much more productive discussion yeah than if if i uh, if i let them just stay in their state because you know if they're highly stressed and they probably shut their ears down because if you're in a fight or flight situation mm -hmm. actually ears aren't that useful and neither's talking i was going to say and that's where that's where the talk that's where all of the shoulder shrugging comes from with with clients when they're doing the don't know don't know don't know don't know um and it's kind of ah actually they don't know they don't know because they're not in that state to be able to access anything because the brain's gone into this this place where it just says i need to just disengage yeah um, yeah, so I, I was thinking about um, uh, something that you said earlier, so I've kind of gone off on a bit of a tangent. So the resting well, okay? So um, I've recently been introduced to a term, active recovery. Yeah. And this is more so for, um, so when people say, um, yeah, but I, I, I do this or I do that, I say, when do you have an active recovery uh, time? So I yeah. might say to a client, that might mean going for a walk. I'm not talking about being on a treadmill and stressing, you know, stressing your heart, and making it pump really fast, but enough to go for a walk. Um, and obviously I know some of the benefits of going for a walk is it improves um, something called BDNF, which is um, a helpful uh, chemical in the brain that, that yeah. enables the brain to, to continue talking to itself. But also that's the bit that helps them get out of their, their own head into their body, you know, and it's yeah. just about... Do you, do you go for a massage? Do you go for this? Do you do that? Do you do the other? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just thinking what kind of um, advice do you give to people for their resilience, for the active recovery or resting well or whatever, whatever kind of phrase yeah. you might use, Matt? So I do, I use active recovery. Yep. Um, it's, uh, that's the, that, that's the kind of professional sports term. And, um, and I do that because I want people to understand that if they've had a really stressful time, active recovery probably isn't sitting in front of the TV, mm. drinking copious glasses of wine or beer or something like that. That actually that is a, you know, alcohol is a stressor. It's a stimulant. Yeah. Sorry, a depressant, isn't it? Uh, but it, it's not going to get you back into that well-balanced state that actually you need to be looking at um, I, I say aim to have your batteries fully recharged every morning, which is why I get people to check their HRV before they do anything else. 
yeah because it gives them an idea of just how much they how much energy they can bring to the day you know I, i'm not i don't believe in time management i believe in energy management like, yeah. so i've got a finite amount of time energy and my hrv will tell me how much i've got and i want to decide how i'm going to spend it because anything i do that day i want to knock it out of the park i don't want to yeah. do it hard so i talk about active active recovery and and also get people to understand that you know i deal with a lot of kind of type a personalities people who uh they go to work they want to knock it out the park they're ambitious they've got a career that ladder and they and then they come home they're still type a personalities so they go and do crossfit after a 12-hour day mm-hmm. and a commute and uh, and then they wonder why they're starting to feel sluggish well it's because your adrenals are shot and actually to understand you know what you can't do that because you have a finite battery so i do encourage them to look at numerous different things you know one thing that heart math is very good is a very good active recovery yeah yeah uh, particularly absolutely. some of the more advanced te- techniques that we teach people yeah. um, around uh, around focus and compassion uh, yeah. is, uh, is really is very really very good for not just the um, hrv but also the cortisol dhea balance which you get from the visualization that you don't get from just pure balanced breathing. Absolutely. And that's, that's, um, uh, I'm just trying to think of the term that Rollins, uh, he had when, when I was at a conference last year with him and he was talking about how, um, one of the, one of the slides that he brought up was actually how he'd got his son to become coherent, but then also to offer compassion and empathy towards the dog, who also, you know, this is definitely um, geeky text, isn't it? When yeah. we, we start, start strapping our family and animals up, he'd actually strap the animal up to a heart rate monitor and his son. And when the son was told, don't touch the dog, just sit in the room, yeah. um, send out, you know, the positive vibes from the heart. And actually what happened was the dog became coherent. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. I saw something last year at um, Burning Man where they had um, a, a big heart math um, created, um, I, I don't know, like a light show in the, middle, in the middle and they had people sitting around and the more coherent they became, the more this light show lit up and it was absolutely wonderful to watch. Mm. Um, yeah. so, so there's something about, yeah, the resonance frequencies that we get. So this might be going slightly off tangent now, but the resonance frequencies that we get when we are coherent, pretty much match the same as the universe. So it's, it, yeah. and that's where this 0.1 hertz comes from for those of, uh, those of you who are really, really interested. But also I'm aware from Alan Watkins' research, not everybody resonates at that particular frequency. There may be slightly, slightly off depending yeah. on uh, maybe their biology. But there is something around um, this, yeah, the compassion breathing, the connectedness, um, and, and this appears in quite a lot of other um, areas, doesn't it? So I'm just thinking about yeah. energy worlds, um, uh, Buddhism. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, I um, being a being a, a, a rabid engineer and kind of positivist, I was always very dubious about this until I really started to get my head into the polyvagal theory. Yeah. And when you understand that actually we are social animals, and therefore to spend time focusing on the social aspect and mm. giving and supporting other people, it entirely makes sense why that has a, a positive biological impact. Yeah. You know, a lot of people I, I work with when they get really stressed, actually they have a tendency to shut themselves away. I've had a busy week. I don't want to go out and see my, I don't want to spend any time with friends and loved ones. Yeah. I don't quite understand why 
uh, we've evolved to do that. It doesn't seem to make much sense because actually the real thing we want is the complete opposite is I am, I have had a stressful week. The mm -hmm. best thing I can do for my biology is go and spend some time with people I really like. Yeah. Well, that, that's going to definitely be one of the, the um, contents of a, a further podcast where I'm talking about why people are now reaching out to do that via um, social media and places like that. Because actually, as much as they do withdraw, there is this need, and, and it is a biological need, to connect. And I was just thinking yeah. when you were talking then about some of the terms of, um, so this is definitely in my, my arena of the psychotherapy. We have... Um, not, not only are we altruistic, but we have what's called alloparenting, which is we're quite happy to support our species by looking after other people's children. And that creates the same kind of connection. And, and obviously, hunter-gatherer tribes have a lot of this. Um, yeah. And we seem to be more disconnected from this in the Western society at the moment. So Yeah, yeah it's interesting. The, the other thing that I, I wonder about, because of our, we're biologically wired to be face-to-face -face with people, is yeah. whether and i'm sure you've got experts that, that know this better than me because i'm still wondering it is whether we 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 feel that need to socially connect so we use social media but it doesn't give us the it's not active recovery it doesn't give us the same biological impact to text your mate and say oh you are you all right how's things to actually go into the pub with them and having a you know having a chat i don't well, <laughs> personally i don't think they're the same thing but i don't have the science to back that up yeah well i'm going to give you a bit of a, a, a spoiler here that's actually what's in my book uh, although it's oh. nowhere near finished yet i'm still doing this but this is essentially what i'm tapping into um and obviously i, I i've done the article on medium which talked about the the polyvagal portrait the polyvagal portrait portal to the matrix and i was actually talking about how it's not quite the same because it, it creates this this uh, false safety and it's that false safety that puts us into a place where we think we're communicating in the same way, but we're not. It's not yeah. quite the same. Um, yeah, because our, our nervous systems are not wired for it. No, not they? at all. They have no idea what's going on. No, not at all, because the, the normal life indicators. So I think I covered this the other week with uh, Justin. There's, there's, there isn't the same kind of feedback to our nervous system, which actually, I mean, neuroception works on a level that's based in a world where there's a magnetic force, uh, a magnetic field, where there's uh, energy fields, where there's actual eye-to-eye uh, -eye contact. There's a lot of information that our brains take in to make sense of, and our bodies. And if you're going into a virtual world, lots of that is missing. Mm. And I think that's, that's what I'm trying to explain, is, is why it's so very different, but it's also not quite the same. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh, I did. Oh, I did like that question. That uh, that wandering. Yeah, I think, and I am trying to find the science behind it because at the moment that we just don't have enough. There's a lot about why why we do, and there's what they call the online disinhibition effect, which is um, something about why we behave in cyberspace as we do. But I think it's much yeah. more complicated than disinhibition. I think there's, there's yeah more that goes on. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You think with the the the, the rise in home working. Mm. Um, that um, people who are home-based most of the time, you know, with stressful jobs, stressful lives, as we've all got, are not getting any of that recovery effect of having a good laugh in the office that you have at lunch, you know, yeah. lunchtime or just at the desk and having a just having a catch up. Yep. You don't get any of that, and so that's a different kind of that's a new kind of um, loneliness, I think. 
that is going to have an impact on people's ability to be productive. And, and yet, you know, in a shrinking physical office environment, there's more and more people working from working from home and having to find a way to manage the same level of stress they experienced when they worked in an office, maybe without the commute. Yeah. But they don't have anyone, you know, to chat to. They don't have Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And, and stuff. yeah. And, and I, I suspect the cost of um, where, although it's not active recovery, the, the alcohol part, actually the, the, the cost of going out to socialise has become so, so, so large nowadays that actually people don't go out for meals, they don't go out to the pub, they don't go out to youth clubs, they don't go out. And I think that's, that's also kind of the other side of the coin is that to socialise, which is a normal biological function, we have to pay an enormous amount of money to do so. So generally people will opt out, therefore becoming isolated. And, you know, I'm just going to tap into the, the, um, the research at the moment that's showing that loneliness is the biggest killer. It's, mm. it's, it's not obesity. It's not heart disease. It's not da, 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 da. It's loneliness because loneliness creates all of this biological stress. And, and I think that's what happens for older people is their heart rate variability and resilience gets less and less and less. Their isolation, their stress increases, 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 and that's what loneliness does. Yeah. Wow, that was a that was a bit of a, um, a slight run. I, I don't yeah. I don't want to end on that one. No, 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 no. Let's uh, <laughs> let's but let's, let's get back in a balanced place, shall we? <laughs> yeah. But you're right. Yeah. You know, we've got to find we've got to find ways as a society to 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 deal with it. Yeah. Okay, so what I thought I'd do very quickly for those that are watching on YouTube and for those that are listening on the podcast, if you go to YouTube. Um, you'll be able to see this on cyber signups there. I'm actually just showing um, this is one version of how heart rate variability is measured. Okay, so it would clip onto my jumper, the other side onto my ear, and that would actually transmit via Bluetooth to um, my phone, my iPad, my laptop, whatever it is that I put it into. Um, and similarly, this is the heart math in a balance. Okay, one end goes into the iPhone. The other end clips onto your ear uh, or onto the end of your finger. You can buy finger devices. You can buy chest chest monitors. You can buy wrist monitors. There's lots and lots of ways of actually doing it. And it's a non-invasive piece of technology that enables you to, to hack. Um, when you were talking earlier, Matt, it was um, Elite HRV was one of them that I tried for a while on yeah. um, in a morning. And it would tell you on the dial where you were yes uh, it's very simple it's either you're parasympathetic or, or sympathetic and what it would say is actually you can do more today because you're around yeah. about here and that's yeah. based on the amount of sleep that you get yeah uh, i'm just going to add on to this right at the very end my um aura ring should be here um very very soon oh is this the new version yeah yeah, yeah. so um i'm not getting uh, mine until june yeah <laughs> so this is this is uh, another piece of biohacking software which uh, I will have on my hand and what it will do is measure my heart rate variability at set times it will measure my body temperature as well and um, it tracks my sleep so I'll be able to see based on my sleep how well I mean I do at the moment I track my sleep but I'm able to see then in the morning if I haven't had a good night's sleep I tend to look at um, yeah maybe today's not the day to go for a marathon because I'm probably not in the best place to do that. Um, and, and also you can see just how much uh, caffeine affects you, alcohol affects you. Um, so I use a sauna uh, as part of my active recovery and that really, really massively helps me go to sleep um, because I pick the time of day that I've worked out, used kind of tracking 
what helps me the most. So in terms of heart rate variability, this software is, is one, of, one of many, many things that you can use to, to have a look at um, how, how you function at your best, if you like, on a day-to-day -day basis. But the heart rate variability is the one that gets to the, the center of it really, really quickly, isn't it? It is, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's lots of different ways to boost your, boost your HRV. Um, yeah. Yeah, you said, you said about sauna, cold is good. Yep, the cryotherapy. Um, yep, um, even just splashing your face for cold water first thing in the morning, mammalian dive reflex has a big yep. impact on HRV. Well, that, that's the, um, I don't know if you do this, but I, um, I do the Wim Hof and I'm still, I'm still trying to, to achieve my cold shower for a set number of minutes. Oh, um, yeah. There, there's some mornings I can go, oh, yeah, 30 seconds and I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not quite, I, I, I do, the, uh, do the face, you know, cold water on the face. Mm -hmm. I also do a technique uh, that I learned from Stanley Rosenberg's book around eye movement, first thing. Yeah. Uh, so extreme of eye movement is very good at, balancing uh, sort of engaging the vagus nerve you can do it before you get up yeah um and then there's lots of other th lots of other things but it's active recovery you know if you're in so yoga qigong are two very good uh yeah uh, activities you can do though it does depend on what sort of yoga you know some people yeah, think not, the not idea of yoga. yoga no it's not caning it you know sometimes yeah. it's just doing some deep stretches if you've had a busy day and it's it's about actually knowing how you feel and what you need to do you know and if your hrv says don't go do a what smash it in the gym tonight go do something active go for a gentle swim you know yeah. that's more likely to get you into a good place than it is to just cane it because that's what you do on a tuesday night which is yeah. what a lot of people do yeah but it's, i think that's where if if i've signed up for it i'd better turn up and do the you know the, the spin class where i see people coming out and and i'm <laughs> Uh, and actually because i do this on and off the job i tend to look at their face and go uh-huh it, it, yeah. so i'm not looking at redness i'm looking at um lots of the social engagement cues and yeah, yeah that didn't that wasn't helpful yeah. yeah yeah absolutely right okay um i think i think what i'm, I'm gonna do actually is i might put um some of the book references so if you've got any book references you think people might be um interested in reading that obviously i'm going to put the breathing one in um yeah because that was techie geeky and uh, for those those interested in biohacking it's it's a really good go-to book um but also um i'll send you a link to a, a video that i've got on my youtube but there's a couple one is on how to set up in a balance if they're going to use the heart math oh yeah also another one uh it's a half an hour called the heart knows everything which goes in with graphics into more detail as to how hrv works and some of the re more recent research about how your heart rate variability uh, changes depending on what emotions you're feeling. Yeah. There's yeah. some quite interesting stuff. I'll give you the links for those. Oh, that, that would be brilliant. So I will put those um, in the show notes. Uh, this is uh, going to go out on Bank Holiday Monday, it will be. So um, hopefully lots of people will be in active recovery around that time and can listen to this. Actually, I might, I might use that in the title somewhere. Um, but there, there's something about... Um, People being able to go back, listen to this, watch this, click on the links, go to the books, read whatever. Yeah. And, and obviously, if anybody wants to get in touch about um, seeing you for um, any kind of resilience coaching, uh, I'll put your details in the show notes. Um, and for anybody who's interested in the kind of idea of technology for trauma and why, why I'm doing that, and also why I'd said right at the beginning of Cyber Sign Up, so I was going to bring this, um, the technology in, the heart rate variability stuff the biohacking and why i'm kind of synthesizing trauma and then 
there's kind of like biology and I'm putting the, the, quite a lot of it together um, outside of the normal psychotherapy field. Um, so if anybody wants any kind of conversations or anything like that, um, I'm pretty easy to find, but this uh, show notes will be more about um, Matt's contact details. So thank you ever so much for spending your time, uh, you know, giving up your time and, and having this conversation, Matt. I could have had this conversation for a lot, lot longer today. Um, but we are we are limited, um, and so are people with their time when they're listening as well. Okay, so no, of course, my pleasure. It's been great. All right, thank you.